This is the Mark D Show, hosted by a guy who played a decent game of Big Brother. Now here he is, Mark of BBCan7. Hey guys, it's Mark with another episode of The Mark D Show, podcasting about Big Brother. Before we start, I just want to remind you that March 4th is the premiere of Big Brother Canada Season 8. Yes, I'm stoked. And yes, Dane and I will be hosting a viewing premiere and you are invited. If you live in Kelowna, this is perfect. The details are on my social media, The Mark D Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On the last episode, we chatted with Kevin Martin, winner of Big Brother Canada Season 5 and... Here's what he thinks you should know when coming into the Big Brother house. Relationships are much more fluid than they appear. Like, for example, Ika had a huge fight with Dylan. But then to Ika's credit, she was the player that was able to go to Dylan four days later and get on his big side. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Now, to hear the rest of that episode, go to my social media, The Mark D Show. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can also subscribe to my podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On this episode, we're going to talk a bit about the darker side of reality TV, just like we did last week with Nick of Big Brother 21. I'm really excited because I am joined with Big Brother 19 house guest and honestly one of like the nicest people I've ever met. It's Miss Arkansas, the one and only Raven Walton. Yes, it is. Hey, y'all. <laughs> How's it going, Raven? It's going pretty good. How are you, Mark? <laughs> I'm good. Are, are you ready for this? Because I feel like a lot of people need to hear this episode to have a real perspective on what goes on after the show. Of course. Let's dive right into it because I don't mind at all and I don't think a lot of people on the Big Brother really talk about the dark side of what we go through. It's kind of like, oh, it's smiles, Big Brother, awesome, awesome, awesome. There's another side to it too. <laughs> exactly. And one thing that I hear a lot of Big Brother people saying right after they leave the house is when you ask them, oh, how are you doing? Like, yeah, man, no, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't care. Everything's all good. Everything is most definitely not all good when they say that. No, most definitely not. And like on the outside, you're like, oh, it's fine. Look at me. I'm great. I had so much fun. And then on the inside, you're like, holy shit. Like, I've got to address this, my family, and this on the internet, and this is going on. And people are DMing me, telling me to go die. Like, what is going on? <laughs> this is where I'm almost like, in a weird way, happy I went on Big Brother Canada because we get it a lot less than uh, Big Brother America. But the real question I wanted to ask here was, I saw your eviction interview. You obviously left quite emotional, but when you walked out, you know, you did a nice little cartwheel, a little gymnastic kick up in the air. You're sitting down. Things are all kumbaya. But Raven, tell us how you were really feeling in that moment, because when I left the Big Brother house, I, I left pretty subdued. I just sort of said, OK, yeah, here's my fate. I'm going down to nothing. And right when I left, the votes had flipped throughout the week. I sat down with Arissa, who's like our Julie, and I was in such a whirlwind of emotion. I was everything was a blur. I probably can't even tell you what, what happened on stage unless you show me a video of it because I had so many mixed emotions. What were you going through? Honestly, the same thing. I remember when I got evicted, I was thinking, okay, well, I get to see Julie. That's kind of cool. Then I'm thinking my heart's broken because I'm getting evicted, and I know that there's no jury buyback, so I'm not going to get a chance to come back in the house. So I know that my time's up. Like this is it. It's over with. And so, honestly, I was kind of like the same way. Like, it was just all a blur. Like, all these people in the audience are staring at me. Julie's talking to me. And I have all these mixed emotions of, like, oh, God, now I'm going to jury house. But I get to vote. But, oh, my gosh. Like, it's just, like, you don't even know what you're thinking in that moment. Because you're, like, you're happy for the experience. But then you're kind of sad. You're like, well, I'm obviously out of the Big Brother house now. So what do I do? So it's a really weird situation to where you're like, 
I just been voted out, but I don't want to be like crabby or too sad about it, but I'm happy. I don't know the feel. So it's kind of a, you've been hit with a tornado and you have this aftermath and you don't know what to pick up first. Like you don't know what to do. <laughs> it's true. When you go out there, you realize to yourself, okay, I'm no longer in this house between me and my friends. I know I've been watched, but now I'm actually in a live audience and I'm in front of people. I need to put on a brave face for the cameras. Right, you know, I didn't want to be out there like bawling and squalling. Oh, you know, I didn't win and I should have done this. Hey, I got beat. Like, I got outplayed. That's part of the game. But on the second hand, like, I'm happy too. Like, I'm talking to Julie Chan. This is really cool. And I have all these people watching me. So I don't want to be like bawling my eyes out because that's what you feel like doing at the moment. On the other hand, too, like, I'm angry, right? Because the people that you trusted backstabbed you. So you're like, Oh, man, this sucks ass. And then you're like, okay, just breathe, get through this interview, be happy, and then cry in your hotel room. <laughs> so that brings me to my next point that you just brought up, is the hotel room that night. I have never in my life felt that way that I felt in the hotel room that night Mm-mm. Until I got to the hotel room Because, you know, you get out of the interview They take you in the car They put you in the hotel room You're doing the interviews the next day Then they whisk you off to the jury house And mm-hmm. that night in the hotel room I had the worst anxiety I've ever had in my life I didn't feel like I super got played But I felt like the whole last 62 days Was one massive mindfuck And I know that because like that's what it is on paper But it just got real after you left the house When you get to that hotel room You realize, okay, you're finally by yourself Which you haven't been in months You don't have a mic pack on And when I went to the restroom And I I was like, oh god, I can't Oh wait, I don't have a mic anymore And then like they give you movies Like you're gonna watch movies, watch a movie Like I can't watch a movie I cannot turn my brain off or slow it down to where I can watch a movie and sit down and do that. I was like pacing my room. I didn't know if I wanted to sleep. I didn't know if I wanted to eat. Like I didn't know what to do or how to function at that moment because when you're in the house, you're being watched 24-7. You're doing all these competitions. So you're being told to do this, go there, do that, do this. And then you're finally in the hotel room to yourself. It's like going from this big roller coaster to, okay, you're on the ground now. Like what just happened? Yeah, very anticlimactic. And this is one thing for anyone who's in a live studio audience and you see the guy come out and he's doing like his smiles and everything and then uh, Julie or Arissa is asking like hey how'd you like the show I'm like yeah I loved it everything's cool all good great you know I get what it is you know it sucks but that's what it is I'm telling you right now that person is putting on a face they are not happy they are not in a good spot whatsoever you want to meet a very fragile person you're looking at one right there yeah you're looking at a very fragile person because you gotta think we have no contact with our friends family or the outside world we're just all we have is production and that's it so you just want to be able to call your best friend and like complain and release and vent and you can't do that and so you're just having to put on this brave face of okay I have so many days left of this until I can like get out of here <laughs> okay, you just brought this up that, you know, you don't have your phone to call your friends, which is almost a blessing if you go out pre-jury. Because if you go out pre-jury, right away they give you your phone back and say, hey, we're going to see you at finale. Enjoy time at home. Then you get to go online and you get to go talk to your friends. You get to go live your normal life as best as you possibly could. If you go out in the jury, you're basically playing the game till the very end of the game. Yeah, you really, you really are. You know, people are coming, once you get the jury, other people that, you know, are being victim are coming to the jury house. And so they're telling you, 
you know, this and this what happened. And so you constantly are in the game mindset of like, well, who am I going to vote for? Who's going to win my vote for Big Brother? And so you're constantly thinking this, 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 and that. And then you have people come to the jury house saying, well, you did this and you did this. So it's like the environment is so toxic, like with just the air and like you voted out that person. But guess what? You're in jury house with them. Congratulations. So it's really awesome because you're in jury house with people that you don't like, that you voted out. And then you're stuck there until the end of the season. And you know that. <laughs> Big Brother super fans listening right now might be like, oh, well, that's just the case on BB19 where you guys had a very toxic group. I promise you it could be any other Big Brother season. It doesn't matter. The same feelings apply to every single person. Now, I'll say this. You were talking about the jury house, uh, Raven. And for me, jury house was a very tricky situation in how I was truly feeling. Again, you see on the cameras when you're watching the TV show, they've got the little interviews with each person and each person is saying, yeah, you know, jury house is a great time to decompress. I finally get to relax and just hang out and be myself. Yeah, okay, it's cool to hang out in this beautiful mansion or this beautiful house on the lake, but you're still going through massive anxiety because A, you're hanging out with people that you had a lot of tension with the entire summer, depending on how your season went. That's also partially it. But there is a lot of hate, hurt, and anger and vulnerability that's going on that needs to be addressed and it's not the right time to be addressed. In a perfect world, you don't want to be hanging out with those people right now. Can you talk a bit about how you handled jury and what were your true feelings in the jury house? jury was interesting and you gotta think like you're in this mindset like I just got screwed over right and I'm going to jury I was kind of blindsided so I'm kind of still butthurt about that but I'm at this point like I'm excited to see Matt like I was already with him but other people in the jury house and I'm not so excited to see right and so you're in there like I'm just gonna hang out with this person it'll be fine but there's tension in the air like you're all living in the same house everyone just wants to get the fuck out of there and go home at the end of the day and see your friends and family or just call anyone right or just be normal and get in a car and go drive you can't do that but you're stuck in this big beautiful house which is great but inside of yourself it's not so beautiful because you're really torn up inside of anxiety these people don't like me he likes me which is fine but this is an awkward moment I'm tired of these cameras I'm tired of wearing mics I just want to go out into the world and go to McDonald's at this point and just sit there like I want something normal the normality is not there and so you just start getting really antsy and like your attention this man, you don't even want to watch a TV show at this point because your mind is constantly racing like, oh, who's going to come in the house next? It's just constant. Like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> it's interesting you bring that up because this was the first time in my life that I thought I was like massively ADHD or bipolar. I was like, how can I have so many thoughts, feelings and emotions within such a short range of time? and not be able to focus on something. I was like legit scared. My mother had to tell me afterwards, you're totally fine. You're going through this really weird thing right now, but you'll be fine. But you know, I like that you brought that up about jury because regardless of whether you like the people in the house or whether you didn't like the people in the house and you're hanging around having fun and there always will be that one person in the jury house that you like and the few that you don't, you want to get out of there. You want to break out. You want to leave and just sort of go back to your normal life, which in our house, I was already planning in the back of my mind how to break out of there. It was very simple. I was able to just walk out the front door by day and just kind of hang around. I was going to walk down to the main part of town. We were on the countryside. I was going to call my dad on a payphone because he has a 1-800 number. And I was just going to tell him, call one of our friends in Toronto, get them to pick me up and get me the hell out of here. How did you feel about, was there was that desire to just leave the house to just sort of, I want to be raving again? Yeah, because I would describe it as like, there's a war going on in 
inside of Big Brother house, right? And in, in the jury house. And, but there's also what people don't see is the war and the conflict that you're having inside with yourself. It's like you're constantly, your brain won't shut off. And then you're like, well, what if I just leave and just go home, go see my loved ones who know me and just have a decompressed moment to where I can feel normal and human again. Like see my cat. I just want to see something that I love that I grew up with or I know or my hometown. I just want to see normality and feel it and experience it without worrying about who's trying to backstab me, who I have to vote for, and when I had to get out of here. Like your mind's constantly thinking who's with me and who's against me. And so that's not a really good place to be is like, who do I trust? And it's just constant conflict and you're just like, I'm over it. I'm just ready to be done and get out of here. Come SOS, can someone parachute in and save me at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Throw up a flare. <laughs> yeah, help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So you go after jury and they take you finally to finale. Everyone gets to ask their questions and then everyone votes and a lot of emotions get revealed, a lot of last minute heartfelt things are said. How did you feel during the finale? During our finale, it was exciting to see like a big group of people on stage all there to watch, you know, the Big Brother finale and that was fine. But I also knew that there were a lot of players that still harbored a lot of resentment towards each other. And I was thinking to myself, you know, once we all rush the stage and hug the winner, there's going to be a bit of that like awkward tense moment. And there was, there was with me, with certain people. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, you see people that, you know, you have this huge fight with and the tension's awkward. You haven't talked to them since then, right? They left the house. You haven't seen their face. Everyone that's in your season's back on stage. You're like, oh, well, all right. Welcome to this shit show. Like, this is going to be interesting after the fact, right? There is, there's this awkward tension in the air that you can't cut with a knife and it's just there and you're like, well, here we go. I got to put on my big girl panties and just do this. I don't know if I want to like check my ass, scratch my watch. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's coming or going at this point. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I love, I love it, Raven. But the thing is, even when you're watching as a big brother viewer from your TV, or even if you're lucky enough to be at the finale and watching it live, those players that walk out of the house, even though they're super happy, they never got evicted. I promise you they're going through these same emotions of vulnerability and are incredibly fragile at the moment. If you want to meet a very happy, fragile person, go watch the Big Brother finale. Exactly. I mean, everyone's like smiling, happy, but I feel like if someone was to poke you with a stick, you would just crumble, right? You would just break. (laughs) You could blow the same amount of air that you blow on like a candle on your birthday cake and I'd fall over. I mean, you're just so fragile at this point because think of the finale. It's like that your anxiety is super up too because you realize this is the last day. You're about to be released back into the world. You're about to have your phone. So you're super excited, but you're super nervous about everything because you don't know what to expect on the outside world at this point because you've been locked up for 98 days. Which let's talk about that for a second because that's where the game outside of the game really starts is when you have to start facing reality outside of the house. And that is in the form of social media. I've said this before. I'll say it again. A lot of house guests will say, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't let social media affect me or I love my haters. I don't care. I have fun with them. I don't entertain the trolls, which, you know, maybe to some extent, yes. However, every single person is affected in some way 
by social media. If you go online and write, oh my God, I've got so much love for my fans, you are now affected by social media. That means you are taking to heart all these nice things that people say. Consequently, if someone writes something mean, you are 100% affected by it. And we all know with the Big Brother world, people are not scared to shy away from their opinions, especially being locked in there for so many days. How was it right after the show when the producers do the most dangerous thing ever, and that is give you back your phone and say, hey... Don't go on social media. And the first thing you do, go on social media. It's like telling a kid, don't eat that big giant cookie in front of you. It's warm, it's hot, it's gooey, but don't touch it, don't look at it, don't eat it. There's chocolate chips, but you know what? It's made with salt. You don't know that. You don't see all the ingredients that's in that cookie. And then we take a bite of it, it just kind of leaves a horrible taste in your mouth that you won't forget. And it's just gonna, like, when you think of it, it makes you quiver. I mean, it's so crazy when you go out of the house and you get all this information like, okay, this is, this is what happened, this is bad information go with it take it as you will and see ya have a good life you're like what so you get on social media you see all the things that are being said like there was a whole Raven exposed party thing going on and like what the hell like what is going on and people are just tweeting at me like I hope you die like your diseases are fake and this and that and I'm thinking what the fuck what is going on and then I realized okay this is what happened when I was in the house and this is what's going on and I'm thinking these people don't even really know me in real life but they're seeing what they see on TV and going by that and so like to tweet someone like I hope you die and I hope you do this I hope your mother dies I'm thinking who does that? Oh, yeah. No, you, to answer your question about who does that is uh, 12-year-old kids in their basement and 40-year-old guys in their parents' basement who don't have a girlfriend. Right. Exactly. People who want to be on the show and never will be get, you know, never have the gumption to do it or uh, never had the gumption to try out or this is people who want to hate because I always say people who can inflict that type of hate have that inflicted at them at one point and they're just trying to attack everyone because they're hurting more inside. It's something deep within them that they're trying to release and they're just going after everyone else. What did you do after you saw like sort of the social media barrage online? There was a lot of nice things written about you too, Raven, but you know, like every other Big Brother player, yours truly included, I mean, I got roasted online after this show. I got roasted too, so. <laughs> I believe it, I believe it. There's actually a tweet out there comparing me to you, by the way. I know, it's icon hilarious. Hey, I take that with pride. I did too, like look in the same boat, Mark, it's fine. We'll paddle together, try to poke holes in our boat. We'll just flex seal it and keep going. It's just crazy. And then, like, after the show, like, we'll say, all this thing is fake. You're fake. You know, you don't need this. You don't need that. And then I got, after the show, I had hysterectomy. I had all other kinds of issues. And then I'd get, like, apology letters. Like, oh, my God. I didn't know you really had to have that done. I know you said you needed it, but I didn't believe you. But I'm sorry. I'm your biggest fan now. And I'm like, what the hell? No, no, you're not. You're not my biggest fan. You just want to apologize on your own sake to make yourself feel better. But you are still a complete D-bag. Yeah, I mean, because, like, I would look at messages and I would get those when I was going through some problems with my health. Unfortunately, I, have, I, I will have to have a hysterectomy, all this other issues. Like, oh, you're too young, you don't have issues. And then when I had my hysterectomy, I literally got this message from this person, like, asking for forgiveness. But the message above that says, I hope you die. Ha, ha, ha. But then once I had my hysterectomy, they sent me another message and said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Disregard that message. I'm your biggest fan now. This isn't a work email. You can't be like, hey, kindly disregard my earlier email about the wrong date for the party. You're telling me, oh, you're going to look good in a casket. I'm going to dance at your funeral. And then, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you have to go through that hysterectomy. And I feel for you. And I'm your biggest fan now, girl. I'm like, whoa. 
Well, I, no, I don't want you to be my fans. No, thank you. Like, who does that? After the show, it's just so shocking that people will send that stuff to you. But then after a couple of weeks, you start realizing, like, okay, those people don't even matter. They have no part of your life, and they don't even know you. The people who matter most are the people who know you and your family and your loved ones, and everyone else can just go kick rocks. The hardest part is when you're back at home and realizing that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that want to just say all this shit, but the people that really matter is like that one person who's like your mom, your dad, or like, you know, the few people that are your family, they're the ones that really matter the most. What did you do to cope? For me personally, I had to sleep in the same room as one of my really good friends. I called her up and I said, listen, you know, like when you're scared in your dream as a kid, a monster's chasing you, you take your blanket, you run to your parents' room, you know, you're sucking your thumb and you lie down on the floor and suddenly the monster can't chase you because you're back to sleeping, but you're in your parents' room. That's how I felt going into my friend's room right after the show. I was like, nobody can touch me. I'm invincible because I'm next to my friend. I remember when I got back home into Arkansas, I called up one of my best friends, Christian, and I was like, I just need you to come to my house. I just need you to do my hair. And we need to watch Mean Girls. And we need to do nothing for days. And I remember that's what we did. We just chilled out, watched some movies. He did my hair. And we laughed. And we walked around. I just stayed out of the public eye. And just kind of had that moment of like, okay, you know, I am me still. Even though I went through this massive, crazy lab rat process, I am still me. I'm still human. I still bleed. I am still me. I need that moment of, huh, this is a zen moment. I can kind of find myself again and realize, okay, you're back to your real life. You're not going to be locked up in a room for 12 hours or have to do a competition and hang on a wall for four hours. Like, <laughs> that part's over with. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're back somewhat to normal life. And you have to remember that aside from all the hate and stuff that you get online or even the love or really whatever it is, your opinion of yourself and your opinion of how life and how the game went is very much affected by the online narrative, whether that's the truth or not. So, for example, people leaving pre-jury, when they read a bunch of tweets and they find out, oh yeah, collectively online we hated this person or we hated that person, then they'll start writing their own narrative online. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I hated them too. Yeah, I wanted to get them out the whole time. Like, yeah, no, I totally knew everything and like, no, no, you didn't. You got knocked out pre-jury. That sucks. But then, now you're just jumping on someone else's bandwagon, Yeah, right? you're jumping on someone else's bandwagon to get the engagement and the likes, and you need to, like, rip on certain people to, like, make sure that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you, Twitter world. Yeah, I'm, I'm there, too. Which brings me to my next point. The Twitter hate that you receive, it's one thing when it's from fans. It's another thing when it's from fellow house guests and past house guests. How are you handling that exactly? For me... I always think, like, if you want to talk shit about me on Twitter, go for it. Because you just makes you look petty. I'm not going to tweet you. And I'm not going to Instagram about you or anything. If you have a problem with me, you can talk to me face to face. That's always been my motto. And then... Guess what? No one has had the balls to come talk to me in my face. If I have an issue with you, I'm not going to go to Twitter and be like, yeah, this, 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 and that. And, oh, yeah, she was fake to these. That just makes you look petty as shit to me. And for me in my life, like, I know my truth, and that's all that matters. And when people tweet, or like, haha, this is that, and, oh, this gastro person is not real, like, you don't know that, for one. And maybe you should watch what you say because karma is a bitch. Don't spew hate and talk about something and ag on something. Well, then when I get out of the house and I have to go through all this bullshit, 
and get my pacemaker replaced and have a hysterectomy. Like, I didn't have the choice not to save my eggs. Like, that wasn't a choice. I had that taken away from me. And then to get people to be like, oh, you were telling, like, you needed that done? And like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I did. It got blown way out of a portion, and it was just a ridiculous thing. And it is what it is. Like, that's the way the cookie crumbled. But don't go to Twitter. Like, I didn't go to Twitter about some of my other housemates, but I could have gone some of the shit they said in, in the house. But I'm not going to do that. It was a house. It was a better house. Let it go. Like, everyone went crazy in that house. Your anxiety is super high. You don't know if whether you're coming or going in that house. So it's a crazy experience in and of itself. So just let it be. Like, that was your experience, but don't take it out of the house and start tweeting to make yourself more relevant or try to stay relevant or try to start the drama so you get Twitter attention. I don't need that. No one needs that. People listening right now will say things like, oh, well, this is what you signed up for, so you should know. Okay, you know what? You're true. Yes, we did sign up for this. However, nobody truly prepares you for what life is really like afterwards. We're spending a full podcast trying to explain the feelings that you're going through and that we're both going through afterwards, but you will never know until you do that show. Now, this is not to say not to apply for the show. It's just to give you a better understanding of what it's like on the show. And especially with you, Raven, you did have... Like you mentioned, I thank you for sharing. I know it's very brave of you to say about your uh, health issues and everything. You know, there's pain in that when it's like, okay, when you're not believed after the show because, you know, you had one view and they had another, it sucks. And it's like, all right, you have no idea who I am. That was a completely skewed reality, blah, blah, blah. But when it's like something as personal as your health, it's a mind fuck. It like completely screws with you. It is a mind fuck. And the thing is, it was hard to handle because like I had health issues my whole life. And then from then people were like, well, you're not going to die from this disease and this and that and this. And I'm thinking, if you look it up, people do pass away with this disease. Do not discredit it. It affects everyone differently. If you look into it, you have another whole slew of issues that come with it. I had eight surgeries in 2018 for my health. It's because things went wrong. Things go wrong with this disease. It happens. And then I had to take a moment to like, well, you're fake. You have Munchausen and your mom gives it like, whoa, don't bring my mom into this. And guess what? Doctors would not perform surgeries on me and would not get, have done what they've done just because I say I'm sick. The medical field does not work like that. For one, I can't just go in a doctor's office and be like, oh yeah, I would love a gastric pacemaker for Big Brother because I really want to be on TV. It doesn't work like that. That's not it. And then I had to take a step back from my anger and upset and realize when I got messages from like one little girl who was 14 and she's like, hey, I just want you to know, I got the pacemaker and it works for me and I'm able to dance again. Thank you for giving me my life back. Or a five-year-old little girl who has a feeding tube and is struggling, I sent her dance costumes and wrote her a letter and sent her a video and it made her year. That's when I took a step back and said, okay, yeah, I have all these people saying all this negative shit and don't believe me, but I have these people that have reached out or have gotten help because of me. I won. I won. And that's when I had to realize, yeah, I didn't win the game of your brother, but I've helped other people in the process and I've inspired other people. I don't need anything else. That's enough for me to be like, okay, how cool is that? One little girl can dance again. One little girl contact me or can stay in contact and I get a lot of that happening. Like I, I'm connecting people to other doctors. And so that was my moment of realization. Like, yeah, there's a lot of hate, but there's also a lot of love too. And you just have to take back and step back and realize it is what it is. This is the way the cookie crumbled. And hey, I have helped people out and that's enough for me. And that makes me feel 10 times better knowing that a little girl can dance again because she saw me on Big Brother and she got the pacemaker. Which is very inspiring, and I'm glad to hear that you share that story. Personally, like, uh, I came from a very religious background, as you know, and then I dropped that all. My dad's a rabbi. I'm not religious anymore. And people after the show were messaging me 
like a fair bit being like, hey, you know, I'm going through this struggle point in my life. I'm not sure if I could still stay with the religion. I sort of want to leave and go to a different path. It was a moment of, wow. So I did inspire people. But in another moment, it was almost like I'm scared to tell them that I don't really know what to tell them. At this point, like, oh, my gosh, these people are, you know, looking for me for help. And it's kind of like a realization. Like, oh, you actually like people listen. And that's when you kind of like, okay, people do listen to you. And they're listening to what you're saying and they're taking it to heart, whether it's bad or good. And I think that's the realization of Big Brother is like, it's just hard to explain to people. It's like, you have all these people who hate you, all these people who love you. There's no in-between. And so it's like, what do I do now? It's true. The the in-between people just don't comment on Twitter. Because in-between comments aren't fun on Twitter. No, it's either I I love you and I want to have your baby. Either I hate you or I can go to hell. (laughs) To wrap things up, what advice do you have for a potential house guests going into the house that will be listening to this, of course, and B, people that will be tweeting about it in the future that will for sure be listening to this interview? I would say for the people who want to apply are going to be on Big Brother, and that's your biggest dream, just realize that when you go in, you will be judged for everything you do, from the way you cough to the way you brush your teeth to the way you say hi. And just take everything with a grain of salt. Obviously, I didn't win. So, <laughs> I mean, play the game how you want to play it, by all means. Because, like I said, I didn't, I, hey, I didn't win. Um, even though I am the pump master. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey. Don't take hey, that away hey. from yourself. And I want to say to the people who are tweeting about the people who are living in the house, take a step back and think, what if that was your daughter? What if that was your mother? What if that was your best friend? And think about words cut more than knife. So God forbid you tweet and you're tweeting about this person the whole season and something they get out and something happens to them. Just think about it. It's not something you want on your shoulders. Even if you do or watching the season, you're like, man, I can't stand him. Like, I hope he gets voted off. Tweet that. Like, yeah, I hope he gets voted off. But don't tweet, I hope you go die. Like, there's lines, and these are human beings who have lives and families and loved ones who care about them. And you wouldn't want someone going online telling your daughter to go die. So I think just know that your words have consequences and actions. Speak louder and just take a step back, enjoy the game, but don't take it so personal. It's a game. It's a game about lying, backstabbing, and evicting people, okay? Yep, always easier said than done, but I love your attitude, Raven. All right, that wraps up another episode of The Mark D Show. Make sure to check out my other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you subscribe, it makes it a lot easier too, so you'll get the automatic notification every time a new episode comes out. You can follow me on my social media as well. See all that fun jazz? I'm The Mark D Show. To see more of what Raven is up to post Big Brother, you can follow her on Instagram, Walton underscore Raven. Coming up this Friday on the next episode, we'll chat with Maddie of BB Can 6. And by request, we'll talk about tips and tricks that you should know to increase your odds of making it on the show. We'll leave it off at that. We'll see you on Friday.